Hello, welcome to my Camino the podcast. Can I just take a moment to thank you for listening? The download figures are through the roof and I'm amazed every week to see people listening from all four corners of the earth. And I just wanted to begin this week by saying thank you. This is a podcast about the Camino de Santiago or the way of St. James. And the pilgrimage is famous for offering an opportunity for transformation. Moreover, people from all over the world gather to walk the path in the footsteps of Christ's Apostle St. James. You'll find yourself breaking bread with Scots, Welsh, Koreans, South Africans, Spaniards, Australians, Canadians and American pilgrims. It's the most wonderful potpourri of people from all over the world enjoying the simplicity of only having one thing to worry about, and that is putting one foot in front of the other, being a pilgrim. Abraham Joshua Herschel was a Polish-born American rabbi and one of the leading Jewish theologians and Jewish philosophers of the 20th century. He said, faith is not the clinging to a shrine, but an endless pilgrimage of the heart. It's the perfect quote to feature in this week's introduction. Faith is not the clinging to a shrine, but an endless pilgrimage of the heart. My guest this week is the American pilgrim Jason Searle, and Jason wrote to me a while back to say he's involved in a pilgrimage in the US, honouring the life and work of Father Emil J. Capon. Father Capon was a Catholic priest and US Army captain who served as a US chaplain during World War II and the Korean War. In 1993, he was declared by then Pope John Paul II to be what's called a servant of God, the first step on the road to canonization or sainthood. And he was awarded the US Medal of Honor in 2013, the United States' highest honor for valor. I was fascinated when Jason wrote to me about Father Capon earlier this year. I'm delighted to say Jason is on the line. Welcome, Pilgrim. Hey, thanks, Dan. It's good to talk to you. Yeah, we, we have so much to talk about, and we'll get to the Camino in a little while. And I urge my listeners to stay in tune because we have an incredible story for you this week. But Father Emil Capon is an amazing story too. Tell us how he and his life became part of your life, Jason. Great. Um, so I, I transplanted to Kansas, and Dan, I'll give... Uh, uh, a little shout out to you. Um, your your album's fantastic, and you mentioned the yellow brick road uh, in in one of your new songs on Duende, and uh, that's where we are. It's the yellow brick road. Well, a lot of your listeners who are from around the world are might have heard of Kansas from uh, the Wizard of Oz, and the yellow brick road certainly is part of that. So I moved there from uh, near the Chicago area about twenty five years ago. And uh, Father Capon was, a, as you said, uh, his, his accomplishments. He was a simple parish priest in uh, the Diocese of Wichita, Kansas. And born in 1916, uh, he ended up uh, becoming a priest in the Diocese of Wichita. He's from a, a bohemian town 65 miles north of Wichita called Pilsen, uh, took the name from the Czech Republic town of Pilsen, uh, where his family uh, was from that area. And uh, Father Capon, uh, as he progressed through his priesthood, always had an affinity uh, for the military men and women uh, who served our country and during World War II petitioned to be a chaplain 
which he was able to do. Our bishop released him to the military diaconate or military, uh, um, and he became a chaplain and, and served in Burma. Uh, he then, uh, after hostility ceased in the Second World War, he came back to Kansas and he finished some more studies at Catholic University. And then as the Korean conflict broke out, once again, uh, went to the Army chaplaincy and uh, shipped off to Korea where he was with the 8th Regiment, 1st Cavalry Division, and uh, was captured at the Battle of Dunsan up near the North Korean and Chinese border, then Korea and Chinese uh, China border. And at that battle, uh, he was ordered to uh, go back and uh, go back through American lines and, and go to safety. And he decided it was more important to accompany his men and stay with them in that battle. And his heroism on the battlefield and subsequent capture uh, with the uh, number of soldiers from his regiment uh, resulted in a, a very long uh, hike up to the North Korean and uh, Chinese border to a prison, prisoner of war camp called Piaktong, North Korea. Oh, yeah. And in that in that camp, uh, he 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 died several months later uh, after all kinds of heroic efforts to really help his men and inspire them to continue on. Uh, so he his his name was uh, was quite well known in our diocese, and they subsequently named uh, a high school. Um, that was uh, later merged. Uh, it was called Chaplain Capon High School. It's all boys Catholic school here in the diocese that I now live in, and uh, it merged with uh, Mount Carmel Academy, a girls Catholic school, and now it's called Capon Mount Carmel Catholic High School. And my five kids have all gone there, along with my wife, who I met uh, up at Marquette University uh, 25 years ago this year. Right. We're celebrating our 25th anniversary. So, familiar with this story. Our kids go to school and um, just that's how I got involved in, in his cause for canonization and, and learn more about him. And you walk a pilgrimage from Wichita in Kansas to his hometown of Pilsen in his name each year. And it is a real pilgrimage, isn't it? It is. It's uh, it, and it's got a lot of the Camino flavor, Dan. Um, for all the listeners out there, um, we do it a little bit differently. It's a four-day hike, so the uh, when you break out the Camino in the stages that we're all used to, especially the Francis, it's it's about the same length each day, about fifteen miles, and uh, we've done it for eleven years in a row, and we do it the first weekend of June every year, and uh, the, the stories that we tell in a, in a video series. We just got done producing in this group called Capon's Men. Uh, we really tried to uh, tell that story of how pilgrimage is a corollary to life from the lessons that we've learned over the years on the pilgrimage. And we walk with about 200 people. Um, it is really uh, anywhere from 150 to 250 people have joined us on any given year. And uh, the hospitality that people have shown along the way to, from Wichita to his hometown of Pilsen uh, in the heat of the summer um, with giving us, uh, you know, water and shelter and, and all of that. Um, it's just been a beautiful experience to come together and bring attention to him and to live more deeply and lean into his story and, and uh, both 
both the pilgrims uh, feel the, the the effects of a pilgrimage in terms mm. of the sacrifice and pain and mm. uh, the difficulty. It's very much like the Camino in that regard. And uh, uh, having done both the Camino and the pilgrimage, I can attest that uh, they're they're very similar. But why? And it's beautiful scenery. Yeah. It's a lovely, you know, the yeah. plains of Kansas, the breadbasket wow. of the world. It's you're walking through the wheat fields, and it's very similar to the Meseta. I, I just wonder why a pilgrimage to to in respect of Father Capon. Why did you choose a pilgrimage to honor him? Yeah, so we we have a uh, a priest who organized it. His name's Father Eric Weldon, and he was a chaplain in the U.S. Army uh, as well um, as a, as a Catholic priest that served uh, as a chaplain. And he started it really to to really honor Father Capon and to enhance him, his priesthood and just to. Uh, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of corollaries there between uh, what Father Capon and his men had to do. They they had to walk from where they uh, were captured in Unsan up to Piak Tong, and although a very different circumstance, where a lot of those men didn't make it, uh, they didn't survive that that walk. Um, you know, it, it it was a very hard uh, pilgrimage, uh, more of a death march than a joyous occasion, for sure. Uh, but we 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 do that just as a way to walk and honor his memory, and we've been very fortunate to have uh, uh, the First Infantry Division, uh, the Big Red One from Fort Riley, Kansas, soldiers and chaplains join us, as as well as the head chaplain from West Point, our United States Military Academy here in the U.S. that we're really proud of. Uh, Father Matt Palakowski, who's the head chaplain from there, has joined us. Uh, so it's just a real way for us to connect with the the struggle that those men uh, felt and to honor him and the men that served uh, with him and that he ministered to up until his death and, and maybe by us uh, intentionally walking and feeling some of that uh, that pain and, and offering some of those sufferings up. Uh, it just helps us to connect to what's more important and what's really important in our own lives. Forgive the rather disrespectful way I'm going to ask this question, Jason, but doesn't a saint have to have a miracle attributed to them? Yeah, so you said, Dan, he's he's been declared a servant of God, and in 2015, our diocese uh, uh, presented uh, to to the uh, to Rome, to the Vatican, yeah. and uh, we presented the Positio, which it was uh, more than a thousand pages chronicling Father Capon's life, all of his history, all of the stuff we've discussed thus far. Uh, and it's also contains in it um, several miracles that have been attributed to Father Capon, and we've been very fortunate uh, to have several of those miracle kids. Uh, they're, they're now young adults and, and, and adults uh, that have survived or recovered uh, from very serious life-threatening either illnesses or accidents uh, that we've had doctors testify, and, and all of this testimony is part of the Positio, uh, the official documents that are in front of the congregation uh, of the Doctrine of Saints, and uh, it's being reviewed by the Vatican. Uh, the first test is the historical accuracy of the Positio, and it passed that in as quick of a fashion as it can, uh, and the postulator for the cause has continued to say that uh, 
Um, you know, our job is just to continue to tell his story. Yeah. Um, those miracles will be reviewed. Um, but we have uh, friends of mine and friends of uh, everybody on this pilgrimage who walk that pilgrimage each year with us that uh, their their father Capen's miracles. Uh, and and I'm, I'm just honored and privileged to know them. Yeah, that's a great – it's a great story, and I urge my listeners to – to Google, I mean, it sounds so pathetic, doesn't it? Just Google him after the extraordinary life he led uh, and the extraordinary influence he continues to have. But it's a, it's a terrific story, and I'm just delighted to have learned about him through you and, and through our association and by doing the research for the interview. But let, let me ask you, you can tell the story, why or for what particular action did he receive the Medal of Honor? This is a great story. Yeah, so he he affected uh, under heavy fire. He affected the the surrender um, of uh, before uh, his his unit was annihilated. Uh, they would have all been killed on the battlefield, and he negotiated uh, a ceasefire and that uh, saved the lives of all of the men that uh, consequently ended up having to go to Piyak Tong. Um, in in that prisoner of war camp, uh, a lot of men didn't make it out of there. Uh, but it was Father Capon who, during his whole time in in that prisoner of war camp, in, in spite of his uh, worsening illness that that he suffered along with all the the troops that were there, uh, malnutrition and dysentery and and uh, being overrun with lice and just horrific conditions, uh, he would run around. He would steal food uh, from. Uh, from the Chinese and North Korean captors and, uh, and pass that food out. And, uh, we were very fortunate and, to, in our very first video series that we, we built as an organization that I'm, I'm the chairman of called Capen's Men. Yeah. Uh, we, we call it the Virtue Series and we were very fortunate to go around and interview all the PO, oh, several of the POWs who were with Father Capen, uh, in that POW camp and all of them attest to what a he was and how he was just he, he lived a life that was bold and that was he was not afraid and, and uh, he just brought strength in, in the worst conditions any of us could possibly ever fathom uh, the stories these guys regale in our video series uh, will we'll bring you to tears there um, and, and Father Capen just stood up to the guard and one story in particular was uh, a, a soldier named Herb Miller who lives up near Syracuse, New York, still alive today. Um, he his leg was shattered, and a and a uh, North Korean came up and pointed his rifle straight at, at Herb's forehead, and then Father Capen marched across the road and batted that rifle away. Uh, and the North Korean didn't know really how to take that, uh, from this man of just tremendous strength. Catholic priest who uh, just re- refused to let that action happen, and and her attributes his life um, being saved by Father Capen. And Father Capen, that 60 mile walk up to Piak Tong, uh, the people who couldn't be uh, weren't strong enough to make that walk. Oftentimes, were taken to the side of the road and shot. And, and we have that testimony from all of these soldiers. Uh, the weak ones just uh, fell out and. Uh, 
Father Capen carried her long way uh, on that walk, as, as well as several other soldiers, and rallied the, the more healthy soldiers to help those who were less healthy to make it. Um, and he did that all throughout his time in the prisoner of war camp until he uh, succumbed to, to severe malnutrition and dysentery that eventually took his life up there in 1951 at the age of 35 years old. 35 years old. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I lived a tremendous life uh, yeah. at, a, at a very young age. But you got you have to remember those those guys that he was serving with. A lot of them were eighteen, nineteen years old. All the stature and wisdom to these guys. But at the end of the day, he was just like like us. He was a, he was a human being and used his God-given talents and uh, looked out for others more than themselves. And there's great lessons in that for all of us. It's crazy to think you're 35 years old, conducting yourself in that fashion, in such a selfless, mm-hmm. selfless and generous and God-fearing, God-loving way. Indeed, Jason, Jesus and walking in Jesus' footsteps is a big part of your life. And so too is walking, as we've said, in the footsteps of Father Capon. Tell us about Capon's men. You mentioned it just a moment ago. Tell us about that. Sure. Uh, it, it started in, in 2014 uh, in a small town in our diocese, Pittsburgh, Kansas, and uh, wonderful men over there that uh, were, were full of faith and, and looking to live out Father Capon's example. And uh, I had, at that time, recently retired at a pretty young age after uh, having had a, a successful run in, in a career. Um and uh, was able to dedicate some time to this organization that I'm honored to be a part of and actually chair um, and, and help uh, drive it forward. We, we started to build video series that were focused on men's faith formation, just how do we become better husbands, how do we become better uh, brothers, fathers, um, colleagues, leaders in our jobs and our careers. And we thought, well, we, we can go out and uh, look at the virtues of Father Cape and espouse love and mercy and um, and uh, how, how he lived. And we went out, as I said, and talked to the POWs and, and his faith and, and how do we replicate that in our daily lives? Because certainly our daily lives aren't nearly as complicated. They're complicated, they're cluttered, and they have a lot of mess in them. We all do. And, and uh, if you listen to your podcast, frequently we, we hear that we all have these struggles um but their struggles were a lot harder than ours and, and they saw their way through it so how do we emulate those virtues and and so we built that series and it, it did very very well uh affected a lot of men and it was just several of us with with uh, our own capital and and our own volunteer resources that that did that and uh the Della Sega family uh, good friends of mine spearheaded that and then uh our, about a year later we we decided well we we did pretty good on this video series let's do another one and uh, so we ended up doing another one, uh, focusing on the way our diocese understands stewardship and, and how do we live our lives as faithful stewards of talents and resources and gifts that God gives us and use those in service of, of God and neighbor. Uh, and, and focused on four pillars of uh, stewardship, and, and uh, those are hospitality and prayer and formation and service. And 
uh, each video series that we did, Dan, they're about uh, eight episodes long. They're uh, anywhere from the very first introduction video that I'd urge all your listeners to, you know, to Google uh, yeah. Capen's Men, and uh, you can watch The Life of Father Capen for free on our website. It's a 35-minute uh, story that tells what we've talked about here. Um, but uh, each of the subsequent videos are about 15 minutes in length, and we have uh, really a story that we try and tell and in that 15 minutes. And then we have a workbook that uh, small groups of men at the parish level or two or three or four guys that get together um, can, can watch this stuff. And then the workbook has questions with what you just saw. And the idea is just like father Capen, uh, on the front lines of the battlefield, uh, went from foxhole to foxhole to foxhole of his men and encouraged them. And then in the prisoner war camp from hut to hut to hut to, to help them, uh, how do we emulate that in our daily lives by just doing life together, accompanying one another, and uh, and truly sharing our wins and our losses, our struggles, and, and our victories. And, uh, and that's really the dialogue that we wanted to start. And so uh, the stewardship series happened, and then we built a, a third one called the Beatitudes, uh, two years ago, and we actually have an audio recording. The only audio recording of Father Cape and ever was uh, his address of the Beatitudes, um, and he he did a homily on it. And we start our video series with that homily, and then uh, each of the Beatitudes from the Sermon on the Mount, uh, we tell a story that is one of those Beatitudes. Again, about fifteen minutes apiece with a workbook and dialogue and. Uh, and helping the men just to each week gather around and, and meet and, and go deeper into their faith and their life journey with one another. And it's just been terrific. Uh, so we've been at this for uh, five, six years now. And uh, this past summer, Dan, uh, when I got in touch with you, uh, we had this idea around this Father Capen pilgrimage uh, to tell the story of how pilgrimage is a corollary for life. And it was certainly influenced by the walk. Um, but my experience on the Camino in 2016 that I did with my then uh, senior in high school uh, at Cape and Mount Carmel, my son's name is Matthew Ignatius. Uh, uh, and we, we did, we did the entire Camino together. We, we knocked it out in 24 days uh, from St. John all the way to, uh, to Santiago. And uh, we, we did it. Uh, a lot faster than most of the listeners. We weren't racing, but uh, certainly Matt and I, uh, Matt wasn't slowing down for some of the Spanish uh, wine and, and some of that culture stuff. So we, we kind of kept on truck and we didn't spend as much time at Arache as, as a lot of folks might have. Or uh, My wife and I, who had just done the Camino a couple weeks ago, uh, some of our plans were to do some of that, but they, they got interrupted. But uh, the Camino was a huge piece of my life and, and uh, uh, actually, I actually was a former Jesuit um, before I got married. I was in Jesuit uh, formation as a novice Jesuit coming out of Marquette University. And uh, St. Ignatius of Loyola, uh, he was wounded in Pamplona, Spain, and a big stop on, on the Camino. Uh, and I named my middle son, uh, Matthew Ignatius, after St. Ignatius. Uh, and his birthday actually is on May 18th, and that was the day that the Siege of Pamplona started uh, uh, back in the 1500s when Ignatius was wounded. And 
prior to that point, St. Ignatius was a soldier and didn't even think about, uh, you know, this life that he would eventually lead and, and just, you know, found the Jesuits and uh, all of the spirituality and everything. So Pamplona is a huge piece of my life yeah. as well. Uh, yeah. And just a lot of stuff tied together. And, and we, we said, there's there's got to be a film in here. There's got to be a faith series in here. So we, we tackled pilgrimage and, and uh, over eight, eight weeks, we break out different stories that talk about the different elements of all of our pilgrimages in life on the Camino de Santiago, as well as the Father Cape and Walk, and what are those elements uh, each week that focus on one uh, specific thing uh, to, to go a little bit deeper into what makes up a pilgrim's disposition. Yeah, and you can find those videos at capensmen.com. That's K-A-P-A-U-N-S-M-E-N, capensmen.com. Let's, let's go to the Camino, Jason. Do you remember where you first heard about it? Yeah, um, you know, so I was a cradle Catholic band, and, and, and uh, it, my, my kids actually uh, learned about it all through grade school, and then I also help one of the ministries that I'm involved in. I help teach confirmation to, to kids, and uh, we talk about that they're one of the series that we use is references the Camino, and uh, friends talked about the Camino and certainly the movie, the way it's just, it's, it's out there. And so I I was aware of it. And when I made the decision to slow down a little bit, uh, back in, in 2014 from a career and, and be more intentional and, and, uh, be more involved in, in the time that I still had left with my five kids, uh, you know, one of the pieces was, Hey, we got to go do this Camino. And my son, Matthew Ignatius raised his hand and said, let's go. And, and so off we went and, uh, just was a, a fantastic experience was, uh, one of the best things I've ever done. You just not long returned home from a Camino. You, as you said, walking with your wife, but something happened that changed your life forever. Mm-hmm. It did, Dan. Um, so, uh, you know, you're, you're a veteran to Caminos yourself. And I think we all kind of, those of us who have experienced the Camino, uh, there's all these different graces. There's all these different experiences. There's all these different uh, moments that, that change all of our lives. And uh, certainly walking that in 2016, there's story after story of just beautiful moments and hard struggles and uh, especially doing it with my son, watching him become a man and, and uh, uh, watching how strong he was and how strong we were together. Um, you carry all that back and, and the Camino never leaves you. Um, mm. We actually open our pilgrimage series with uh, a statement that uh, life is a pilgrimage, but sometimes you need a pilgrimage to discover life. And that's the first words in our series. Um, and, and so as, a, as you go back a second time, I think all of us who have done it more than once, we, we want to replicate that in some fashion, but we're all in tune enough to know that you just kind of got to surrender and let the Camino come to you. You can't force things to happen. You can't 
make experiences that you had a couple of years prior. Can't replicate those maybe, but I certainly, it's our 25th anniversary with my wife and our five kids are healthy and strong. Um, we had just gone through some tremendous loss with uh, two of our very best friends uh, in Wichita uh, have passed away. They're our age, uh, 49 years old, 50 years old. Um, a husband and wife that uh, uh, are just dear, dear friends of ours and live five doors down from us. Um, one uh, didn't wake up at 49 years old, my friend John. And then uh, at the time that John passed away in 2017, uh, his wife was struggling. Kristen was struggling with stage four uh colon cancer and, and she succumbed to that finally here this summer in 2019 and and my wife and I as part of our Camino uh, we were we were wanting to go out there and uh, really not not put it behind us but put it in perspective yeah, uh, be yeah. very thankful that we got to walk that journey with with Kristen over the last couple of years uh, side by side and along with others that uh, that helped her and, and were able to be a part of the kids' lives. So they had three kids that are our kids' age and, and grew up together, same schools and everything. And we were out there, Dan, walking that um, and certainly got to cruise the Pharaoh and, and wanted to uh, – you know, I left a golf ball behind at Cruz de Ferro. John and I played a tremendous amount of golf together. I left his uh, college football numbered golf ball up there at Cruz de Ferro uh, <laughs> in, in October as, as I walked this with my wife and yeah. watched my wife become this pilgrim uh, as we left uh Bond. That last push up, you'll all remember that you, you know, you, you walk up that, uh, that last hill there, and it's a tough little hike. and it was raining really hard as we left the, the place where we were grabbing a quick snack uh, before we put our rain gear on and, and went out there and asked my wife, I said, do you want to, do you want to keep moving? And uh, she said, it's going to rain all day, honey, let's just keep going. And, and I looked at her and I, I had one of those moments that I remembered with my son from 2016, like you, you've got it. You are a pilgrim now. We just keep going. And, yeah. and so oh, wow. we, we had those moments, Dan, and, and we're feeling on top of the world and, and uh, sad that, you know, we, we left John behind, but certainly uh, honored that we, we have him as a part of our life and Kristen as a part of our life and how they helped to form us. And, and so we're very thankful of, of these gifts and, uh, a couple days after that, um, uh, I, I'm I'm very spend a, a lot of time each day reflecting and in prayer. And and uh, my son had just landed a great internship uh, that we found out about Matthew and and my older son Jason's doing super well, finishing up a chemical engineering degree, and my third son Thomas is at Notre Dame actually in seminary uh, uh, studying and our twin daughters Gabby and Sabrina um, just they, they walk the pilgrimage each year just very thankful for all these great things in our lives and, and how they've coalesced in spite of the hardship and, and was very attentive of that and that last uh, the last day it turns out of our Camino Dan uh, we're leaving Villafranca uh, to Brizio and uh, you know, you're, you're walking that day and you're, you're going to climb to Osobrero, right? And, uh, I get to right outside, uh, Las Arias and my phone rings and it's my little sister. 
and I get a phone call that my 75-year-old father, her father, uh, he took his own life. Um, and he was struggling with a, a disease that is akin to um, it, it's akin to Alzheimer's. It's called Pick's disease, and uh, his speech had deteriorated to the point where he, he lost the ability to communicate over the last year and a half to two years and uh, started to have some cognition issues. And uh, uh, we think, you know, as best as we can tell, that, that Dad just didn't see a path forward any longer. And uh, uh, so just, you know, uh, out there on the pilgrimage celebrating our 25th anniversary and, yeah. and having, you know, uh, just the time of our life and the struggles and, uh, you know, all the things that come with the Camino and some of the graces and beautiful moments and all of that. And then yeah. all of a sudden, wow, this hits me. And uh, I couldn't speak. I was just in shock and just, uh, you know, what do you do? And yeah. do you finish your walk? Do you immediately go home? And you're just trying to process all of this. And we, we decided that we needed to get home regardless. We, we knew my father undoubtedly, no, no questions would want us to finish our walk. He, he absolutely would be furious if he knew that we dropped what we were doing, uh, to come home and, and change all of the things, things that we needed to do to change it, you know, take a taxi to over Osobrero to Saria to catch a train to, you know, fly back to the U S and then fly down to Florida where uh, my sisters were and he was. Um, but we did it and, and we needed to, because uh, regardless of what dad would have wanted, we have kids and, and they needed us and they needed to, yeah. needed us to help them process this tremendous yeah. loss that we all felt. Yeah. So it's as tough an ending to Camino as, as I can think. And certainly not what we were expecting, but um, Dan, I'll tell you, it was, you know, I, I quickly, figured out that it's time to live out what we had just built in our pilgrimage series that I talked about earlier that, and, and I think you opened with it. Um, you have to put one foot in front of the yeah. other. And, um, and so that, that was the only choice that we had, just like on the Camino, you just got to keep pressing forward. And uh, boy, we built this video series about how that ties into life. And there's no other option, but to put one foot in front of the other. And, uh, kind of figured out in the subsequent weeks that, um, you know, there's no such thing as closure. There's, no. uh, things only get calloused and just like our feet, wow. you know, they just get tougher. And, uh, and that's not to say you, you suppress anything, uh, but you know, you just, things get calloused and you get a little bit stronger each yeah. day. Yeah. I think, I think all of my, you and all my listeners would know that I lost a younger brother just a couple of weeks ago. And I picked, yes, I, I picked up the phone to call him yesterday. And then I, yep. put, I put the phone down on the bench. And I thought, yep. oh, <laughs> I, I love what you just said then, that, that you're not interested in closure. I don't want closure either. I don't want closure. But, no but, interest in it. No. <laughs> but, 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 being, but being a little calloused is not a bad way. To look at it either, as a musician, my fingers get calloused. And I know when my fingers are calloused, I'm well rehearsed. <laughs> I'm in good... I know when my fingers are calloused, I've been playing a lot of guitar and I'm in good form. So that's a nice way to look at it. That's a really nice way to look at it, get calloused. Yeah. 
You know, Jason, they say dementia or Alzheimer's, including Pick's disease, is like someone slowly drifting away from you um, in a boat, if you like, and you're powerless to do anything about it. Uh, did, did you get that sense? Did, did, you, did you get the sense that your father was kind of like drifting away from you? Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, he he was uh, is super involved, especially in my sister's lives and, and two brothers, um, and, and a great dad. Um, yeah. Very active, very healthy. Um, but over the last couple of years, just became you know as he was able to unable to articulate things and communicate mm. things. Um, but it was very important for us, and, and I'll tell you, Dan, just. Just like uh, the decision I made several years ago to slow down and be more intentional with my kids, um, I'm very fortunate that uh, um, I, ha- I had a lot of kids, and they, you know, they became a, they they've been a priority, right? Their yeah. your family is your priority, and uh, I probably wasn't as close to my father as uh, my sisters and my brother was because uh, of distance and geography, and just because uh, they hadn't had kids and. Uh, they had a different relationship with that, being in the same town and, yeah. and being very involved in each other's lives. But I was able to, uh, as he started to, to drift and uh, didn't, didn't have a sure footing, I was very fortunate to get to spend a lot of time with him and made several trips uh, over the last several years to to be with him and be with my sisters and, you know, uh, to use a Camino analogy to get to, to walk with him um, yeah. through that. So uh, I was, I'm very thankful in retrospect that, uh, that I had the time, I had the resources and the opportunity and, you know, we only get one crack at this uh, beautiful gift of life. And I think that's what the Camino teaches all of us that, uh, if we, all the things we think are important, um, and we go through this in our video series that uh, what do you really need and what what's really most important and it's it's our relationship with God our relationship with others it's it's love and I I was able to experience that with my dad and in a real profound way over the last couple of years that uh, maybe gave me a glimpse of uh, what my sisters uh, the closest that they had with my dad and and to be there for them and to help them grieve and and. Uh, work through this over the last several weeks has been a, a really nice gift as well. You know, in your original email to me, Jason, you talked to, about the blessings and the pain and the joys of the Camino, and you said it's calling you back. Do you, do you hope to get lost when you go back? Yeah, I do. Um, <laughs> you know, I, 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 I and, and and I'm going back. Yeah. Uh, so Dan, you're, we're talking right now. Uh, part of our plan, this, you know, in, in our 25th anniversary year, the church recognizes three pilgrimages. Uh, one is uh, the Camino de Santiago. The other is to the Holy Land, and the third is to, to Rome. And uh, my wife and I are uh, we're in Siena outside of Rome, but uh, we spent the last couple of days in Rome, and we got to be at the papal audience and a member of our group uh, has a three-month-old baby and, and Pope Francis kissed the baby right oh, in front wow. of us on, 
Oh, really? Uh, Just this week? Yes. Oh, wow. So we've made this pilgrimage uh, to Rome, and we're at all these beautiful sites before major basilicas, and, and we had mass with our bishop at the at the tomb of St. Peter's down in the crypt, and uh, then at the uh, tomb of St. Paul the Apostle, and then got to go to St. John Lateran and, and St. Uh, Mary Major. Um, and today we're in Siena visiting you know, St. Catherine of Siena and got to see John the Baptist right on, just all these beautiful things in our history. Um, and, and that's what the Camino is, right? It's 1,100, 1,200 years of all of us, the faithful, and, and people who don't share in our faith either, Dan, that walk this beautiful 500 mile and, and sometimes mm. longer. I yeah. walked in 2016 with some guys who had pushed off from Belgium and we walked with them for several days. And, and uh, you know, just all of these people from all around the world uh, that are sharing in the, these pilgrimages because we're out searching for, for uh, this connection. And uh, that, again, not to gratuitously plug our series, but, um, you know, I, I think a big piece of what we're trying to convey in that pilgrim's disposition, Dan, is um, we're all invited every day. The Lord calls us and he speaks to us. And do we just have the courage and the docility to just slow down and listen? And that's what the Camino teaches us. Just slow down. What do you really need? And our second video after we discuss this invitation concept is simplifying, you know, and all of us pilgrims talk about, you know, all the gear that we, we dispose of. And it goes, it's the same for life. We chase after all of these different things and, and uh, try and get this bigger piece of pie yeah. and, and chase after all of this stuff. But yeah. uh, we're called to just be simple and the most simple things bring us the most joy and that's relationship. And that that's what my, my dad taught me. Um, and, I, and I'd say that the biggest piece that I'd, I'd convey to you guys as well, anybody that's listening is uh, there's several pieces. I talked about accompaniment and fortitude, just, you know, going on. we got a lot of blister shots in our, in our video series on fortitude. Uh, and we're all familiar with that on the Camino, but, um, probably the most important video that we did relative to me right now is the one on receiving gifts. And I think as, as, um, human beings, as Christians and Catholics, we are just hardwired to serve others. And we teach our kids to serve others. It's, it's kind of a, what we do to be good. And uh, I, I think we do that very, very well. People are very, very generous. But what the Camino taught me is, is to be a good pilgrim, you have to be a good receiver of gifts. And yeah. if you if you don't receive gifts from others, you deny them the person who's trying to serve you, you deny them the opportunity to love you. And yeah. that's yeah. it's just as important to be a humble person to say, I'll take your help. And to maybe tell a deeper story and share some vulnerability and allow that conversation to happen uh, that, that really opens things up. And we focus really hard on this story about being a good recipient of gifts. And, and as that relates to my dad right now, that's, that's the struggle mm -hmm. is that uh, what dad did, um, my father ended up in, in his action 
he took away the ability for his family, for us, those who love him, to love him in that way for the last, you know, remaining years of his natural life. And, um, you know, as we think about it, you know, we're we're pretty certain that dad probably just felt, hey, I don't want to be a burden. And and we, we don't know exactly what was going on in his mind because again he can't articulate those things we just don't know and that's that drifting away concept but um we were we were not able to continue to give him that gift yeah. and and uh so that receiving piece i think is a big piece to the camino uh we, we were taught and we try to convey that in our, our video series so it's really speaking to my heart right now yeah, you you said in that initial email that the Camino is a journey of faith, physicality, and joy. Do you pray while you walk, Jason? Yeah, I do. I mean, um, you know, I, I think all of us, and, and I'm a faithful listener, Dan. I love what you do. I love how you connect uh, everybody to the Camino in in your podcast, your music, and and your ministry that that you you know, you've undertaken here. Um, we all do that in different ways. And I think, uh, on our pilgrimage, whether it's in Kansas, walking across the wheat fields or whether it's the Masetta or the Pyrenees or any of these other pilgrimages that we hear about on, on your podcast, um, there's, there's tremendous strength and, and, uh, there's a lot of joy in just offering up each step and, and knowing that for thousands, you know, a thousand plus years before you, um, those pilgrims that were out there with their burdens and their, uh, their wins and losses and their struggles that were walking on that same path, we're all privileged to walk and yeah. we all get called to walk. Uh, we feel that, and that, that's God's grace. Uh, if, if we just slow down and we listen, and I think, you know, there's certainly, I say my rosary while I'm out there. Uh, I, I, I prayed the rosary, you know, often with my wife, this last one, and my son three years ago. Um, but I, I think more importantly than anything, uh, is, is just being silent while I walk. And that's not to say I don't engage in conversations. I do all the time, but I like to just, God speaks to us through nature. He speaks to us through the beauty that's out there. And he speaks to us in the stillness and quiet. And, and we just have to slow down and just mm-hmm. listen. And if we declutter, uh, you'll, you'll hear him speaking to you. He'll speak to you in the people that you meet, in the people that you get a chance to serve, the people that serve you, the hospitaleros, just all the experiences that your listeners have had, um, those, those are moments of grace. They're gifts from God. And that's, that's his, you know, one of his languages that, uh, that I, I've been fortunate enough to understand. You know, in the course of researching this interview, I stumbled upon a photograph of Father Capon celebrating mass on the Korean battlefield. And he's using the bonnet of a Jeep as his altar. It's a very, very powerful image. And when I saw it, I thought, oh, okay, that, that's the guy. And when you see that image, you kind of get this, even though you don't know his story, you know his is a very powerful story and his is a very important story. And we could all learn a lot from him, even though, as you said, he was only 35. I mean, it's crazy to think about it. I, I, I want to wish you all the very best with the video series, Jason, and and getting your life back 
to a semblance of normality following the loss of your father. And I want to especially wish you all the best from me and my listeners in your quest to honour the life and work of Father Emil Capon, an extraordinary life, an extraordinary legacy. And I've really enjoyed learning more about him and his work and you and your work. So thank you very much for, for your time. I should just let my listeners in on a little secret. This is the second time we've conducted this interview because my computer died completely. Just, I can't believe it. So you. What a gift to talk to you again, though, Dan. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's just as good the second time. Yeah, exactly. And indeed, indeed, it's, it's actually a better interview. So look, thank you very much for your time, Jason. And, 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 and good luck with the work. I'll, in the outro, I will give all the details of the video series again. It is absolutely brilliant. If you're, if you're looking for insight and a depth of understanding of pilgrimage, it's, I would highly recommend it. Um, and if for no, no other reason you want to learn a little bit more about Father Capon and indeed about yourself, because really, that's what a pilgrimage is about, isn't it, Jason? Learning more about ourselves and, and hoping to be a better person. It is indeed. Thanks for all you do, Dan. Buen Camino. Buen Camino, my friend. My guest this week, Jason Searle, an American pilgrim from Kansas. And he's a member of what's called Capon's Men. Now, you can find the video series and learn more about the work they do and the life and times of Father Emil Capon at caponsmen.com, K-A-P-A-U-N-S-M-E-N, Capon's Men. So Capon is spelled K-A-P-A-U-N, caponsmen.com. And if you're a member of what's called formed.org, you can watch the video series for free, formed.org. I thoroughly enjoyed talking to Jason He's, I think, a kindred spirit, and we had a lot of trouble when my computer died. Absolutely just didn't work anymore. Anyway, I contacted him, and he said, sure, Dan, I'll talk to you. You let me know when, when and where, and away we went. That website again, capensmen.com. The Polish-born American rabbi and philosopher Abraham Joshua Heschel said, faith is not the clinging to a shrine, but an endless pilgrimage of the heart. We're all on a pilgrimage of the heart. We'll get there if we continue to put one foot in front of the other. Moving forward, I'm Dan Mullins, and I'm delighted to be part of your journey. Until next week, Buen Camino. <laughs>